0: Spidey-sense senses tingling. Hello. He's the slim, sensational wall crawler of your hearts, flipping your ears. It's Slim, the Paper Cake Podcast, episode 89.
1: Welcome to the show. Uh, paperkeg.com Nearing 30,000 Tumblr followers Breaking news uh, We talk about Industry news The books we're reading Together as friends forever Hashtag friendship And we do a book club The four of us Same book uh, J.M. J. Mateus Craven's Last Hunt Uh, and we'll read your letters to close out the show Live letter reading No other podcast does this That's just Stone Cold Fact uh, Let me go around the room and introduce the hosts You know, you're a, new, you're a new listener Thanks for tuning in Welcome, this show isn't junk That's just Stone Cold Fact uh, We have two hosts that are simultaneously drinking Poland Spring Like it's an ad campaign on the show, uh, the one on the left is Black. Spoiler: uh, He's an actor. He's a published writer, uh, entrepreneur. Mark Farrington, welcome to the show.
2: It is good to be back. What's the good word, y'all? You're the good word. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, y'all. <laughs> Especially uh, on nights where you court, when I got the day off the next day. The uh,
1: the whitest face I've ever seen on a human being that is still breathing. Uh, <laughs> he is an unpublished fan fiction aficionado. He's uh, let's just face facts. He's an alcoholic. Uh, that water is probably vodka. Jonesy loves beer. Thanks for being here.
0: Uh, my doctor swears that I just have fatty liver. Has nothing to do with my alcoholism. Uh, still have a clean bill of health so thank you though for having me back
1: i want whatever doctor gave you a clean bill of health to be disbarred and put in prison immediately Uh,
0: correction doctors aren't disbarred their licenses are taken away
1: (laughs) i want him murdered fact uh father vp of merch he just got a haircut breaking news not yet. It up, no. No. Looks just, like it. Maybe you're just you're just, you're just getting old.
0: You're just mesmerized yeah. by the Doctor J Gray. <laughs> uh,
1: he's the podcast bad boy Dale underscore on the Twitter. Welcome to the show.
3: I'm a. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm a little uh, unsettled. I'm trying to get situated in this new. Podcast area, and it's just I don't know something's weird, something's off. You look uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. I, uh, I, I, I feel uncomfortable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel ready to do this. Can I just say that this could be the biggest show we've ever done?
0: I Number. am feeling it. So, Win Column, your days
2: are numbered. That's a bold move, right there.
1: Craven's last hunt. I think everyone's just chomping. At the bit to talk about this, Mark looks just beside himself in joy. Can are you beside yourself in joy right now, Mark?
2: I'm relaxed and good to go. Anything is better than that trite we read on the last week's episode. Oh my,
1: all right, wow, well, wow, let's, let's uh, harsh. Tell me I'm wrong, fellas. You are wrong. Let's take it down a notch. We talked about Spawn last week, Romulus. and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, what's happening in the world of Nia's uh, Dale underscore A, Old Man underscore A?
3: Black Mask Studios. Hmm? Yeah. New comic imprint slash uh, creator-owned transmedia hmm. alternate distribution comics oh. company. Wow, a lot of th- lot of jargon thrown at you, and I'm going to apologize for that on behalf of Steve Niles and uh, Greg Gurwitz of Epitaph Records. All you punk heads might uh, be familiar with Epitaph and uh, Matt Pizzolo. They're launching this new Black Mask imprint, and um, it's going to feature some. Uh, uh, and it's all creator-owned stuff. It's going to focus on. Uh, the relationship be- between creators and the the comics imprint that are the they're putting comics out under, and they're trying to foster like strong bond between the two. So it doesn't sound like they're going to try to screw over creators or anything like that. Of course, with Steve Niles there, he's going to be he's like he's going to be like the muscle.
1: Is he going to be putting any potatoes in your exhaust pipe in your car <laughs> and leaving you uh, you know dangerous notes on your windshield?
3: Yeah, he's going to be doing that for starters, and it's just going to get far worse from there. It's going to be like a black comedy. <laughs> Full disclosure:
0: Steve Niles still camped out in the bushes behind your house. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, alleged,
1: Him and his tortoise, alleged camping out. You know, uh, Dale. Dale previously has just gone off on creator-owned books that they just try to stuff it down your throat and they will try to murder you in order to buy their books Dale has gone on record as saying that's fact
3: not by every creator owned book just by certain certain creators pushing their creator owned stuff creator owned terrorism
1: creator owned jihad
3: we're talking about comics uh, featuring the great Alan Moore and David Lloyd back for the first time since V for Vendetta wow uh, it's going to be called Occupy Comics. Hmm. So, Ugh. no interest there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that name is probably a year late, I think, to really capitalize <laughs> on that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, them and DC are kind of behind the eight ball there. What is and, that DC uh,
1: book about? I still don't even understand what that what that Gail Simone is up to with that book. Uh, anybody? I don't know. She, no.
2: My Having my, the foggiest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Thank you that's for chiming a, in,
1: Mark. It's going to be Mark's shirt. It's just going to be a picture of his catcher
2: drawing face with a quote saying, "Haven't the Foggiest. <laughs>
1: oh, and I love it. I, love I just it. wanted
2: to make sure everybody knew where I stood on the issue at hand.
1: Oh, God. Have us, uh, just,
3: just help us, Jesus, please. Just uh, real quick, though, Mark, I did want to appeal. Black Mask Studios is working with uh, RZA and the ghost-faced Killer. Oh a comic.
2: Uh, I can't Bobby wait.
3: Digital himself?
1: Mm. Thoughts,
3: are you guys Mark?
0: speaking in code right now? What is oh, happening? Geez.
1: Here comes white Jonesy loves being white chiming I in know. on the show. Didn't <laughs> you just
0: comment on my whiteness at the, at the top of the show?
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, Lord. The, risen, the jizz and the ghost face killing. Is it true uh, that their yeah. unconfirmed villain is going to be the ghost of ODB?
3: <laughs> mm. This guy. He's just. All right.
0: Everybody stop it. You guys are. This is inside baseball. This is some kind of inside joke.
2: Oh,
3: Lord. All right, Jonesy, we get it. You don't know about <laughs> technology. You don't know about rap, okay? And you Jonesy. let us know that you don't know every time. If they, if they don't talk
1: God. about it in a secret Mason's the meetings, deal. then Jonesy is just completely out of the loop. And I don't yeah. think any of this comes up at all. Jonesy's like, all right, you're rebooting your computer. What else are you doing <laughs> with your signs and your
3: digital codes? I don't know. But what I do know is what Jonesy won't know about. Segway. May the 4th. Right. At, what is happening?
1: What is happening?
3: Free comic book day on 5413. You know what heads. that means for uh, a little podcast called Paper Keg? A little comic book shop called The Comic Book Shop? Shows sponsors Momentum, don't Delaware. you know? Uh, Paper Keg has been invited back. We were such a good, uh, good sports last year. We didn't make total fools of ourselves. Ram, yes. Uh, Sarah and Patrick invited us back for a for a sitting in of Free Comic Book Day, and uh, that's happening, folks. Mark so. it down.
1: Mark it down and count May Fourth. I will. I will tell you something <laughs> that I will guarantee: there will be at least two hosts of Paper Keg at this event. At least <laughs> myself and Dale underscore A. You I've can already take that confirmed to the bank. them going. I don't know. we'll, we'll see. You've. Com- I think you confirmed that you and your wife and your son are going to an all-day right. and possibly evening event. <laughs> You're, you have an
0: infant child,
1: my friend. So the I have. Verb-
0: I have yet to work out the logistics. But the logistics I will be there. E-
1: of that statement equals Jonesy is not coming. That is the logistics that we are hearing. I
0: so will. My feet will be in that comic book store on May the fourth.
3: Right for okay. a minute or five <laughs> minutes, it doesn't.
0: <laughs> Possibly fifteen. Dale, sky's the limit.
3: Uh, so, so w- we're gonna have our own table. Is that is that true? We're gonna have our own table there, <sighs> and we're gonna be, uh, you know, VP of merch is working on getting some swag together to, to right. hand out. Try okay. to promote the show like like you know the best we can face to face, a handshake to handshake. I'll High be. Fives. I'd give handshakes. Yeah, slim. High fives are free. Slim uh, is like the Howie Mandel of Paper keg. So He's not, he's not shaking anybody's hand. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time, and uh, we we wanted to get out there now. It's February, and uh, there's very few weekends left between now and May Fourth. So,
1: oh God, uh, better start you know. planning. There's also there's also if I may interject, plans of a late hours recording session that we've it's talked problems. about. spoilers spoilers Spoilers. i'm not sure if we're supposed to reveal that or not but i'm throwing it out there uh after hours maybe we're gonna bring the mics out we're gonna set the goddamn mics up i'll edit that out in post uh but yeah there's something special might be happening later in the evening you know we want to come down from you know whatever podunk town you live in and you want to come down for a free howie mandel high five and maybe (laughs) sit in on a live recording you know put that in your calendar Tell, tell your infant child and wife to stay home, and you can do, you can have fun <laughs> with us. Sick burn, sick burn. <laughs>
3: Are you still See, at least?
2: At least Mark's not even saying anything. Hey, you know what? On this particular subject, I'd rather have my co-hosts and the legion of paper Keg fans mad at me than my girl who's turning thirty on Free Comic Book Day. Yeah, I will not be here on that one. It's wish I could a great, be, but great day. I think
1: it's like a Saturday or
2: something. Hey, y'all are going to have a good time, represent the show well. I look forward to hearing the recording, and hopefully this one will be clean enough to make it on the air. We'll see if we can get a paper mache-like stand of Mark, and we'll put it next to our <laughs> chair. Maybe if you ask Feenston nicely, you can have me in a T-shirt saying, haven't the foggiest. Direct all your <laughs> questions to me.
0: That's
1: uh, going on the yeah. new paper cake banner. That is, yeah. The um, So it should be a good time, but we have... Uh, Fresh over the wire, more breaking news. Oh, yeah. It's happening
3: tonight, folks.
1: Uh, oh, my Lord. We, you know, we've been talking a lot about show themes. And, you know, what other show themes should we do? Our new contract state.
0: Our new contract. Show
1: themes are included. We have to do these. Uh, it is written in. So, you know, Dale and I were, you know, as as we often do, we sit back and talk about, you know, how can we better ourselves? And the podcast at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we came up with this idea. You know, you can call it Paper Keg Nights. Uh, an entire show where we only read mature rated titles.
0: You ever heard Hello. of Baywatch <laughs> Nights? <laughs> you, you ever heard of Baywatch Nights? You hear this intro playing right now? I'm kidding. I was the executive producer back in the early 90s.
1: Uh, real. So, so the book club for this show, we're going to make it next week, 89, Black Kiss 2, by none other
2: than Howard Chaikin. Mm. I'm not I'm not sure if anyone has ever seen this book before. Please, please, please tell me Howard Chaikin didn't draw it. Please, I'm begging you.
1: You need to fire up your comics app right now, my friend, and... Mm-hmm. And you need to l- you just look at the... Actually, you know what? That book is even for sale on the Comics app. I should correct myself. This is a web-only book.
0: <laughs> <It's getting laughs> music just,
1: music just kicks in right at the moment. <laughs> so this book, uh, it's pretty much X-rated. Uh, it's It's a sequel to his 1980s book, which is known underground as just being too risque for anybody to read. Uh, Jonesy is literally frothing Can you get him a tissue mark at any moment <laughs> in time Please
2: Too busy trying to look up who if who did the art for this book uh, Howard Chaykin did the art Howard Chaykin my oh, friend damn it <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere uh,
0: dog <laughs> teeth Is just curled out at a desk With his earbuds in shaking his head
1: So, So Every book so that's the book club Every book we do during the show Has to be an adult themed comic book Absolutely uh, and this will be the first ever paper keg nights uh we're gonna have a brand new intro possibly sung by david hasselhoff i can't confirm (laughs) um we're gonna be just it's gonna be one of the greatest shows we've ever done and uh that's that
3: uh drink every time you feel uncomfortable listening to us on the podcast
1: (laughs) next week for those that aren't unaware, Baywatch Nights was a spin off show from Baywatch where David Hasselhoff worked as an undercover uh, private investigator. As undercover but he, lifeguard. But he also drove a sick Ferrari. He's, a, Bay, he's a, <laughs> a, a lifeguard, and he somehow manages to use a Ferrari at night and solves crimes and mysteries. And, you know, I mean, just watch the intro on YouTube, and you will get excited. It's going to be amazing. Let's face it, right now. Who
2: was watching Baywatch nights and came
1: up with this idea? It's a joint effort, Dale and I. You know, when we sit down, it's like a synergy of just sensationalism for podcasts, and
2: that's what it comes down to. Stop Pretty making much. your co-host Jonesy jealous. We got to move on.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark, is Mark is so Mark perturbed that, that I'm Howard so angry, Jakin, he's going to have
1: Jakin. to read a Howard Jacobson book. <laughs> uh, Do you not hear this music? What is I mean, ours- just picture us sliding around on top of a Ferrari solving crimes and reading Howard Chaikin comics. Can I oh, wear a
2: fedora? Shh.
1: <laughs> 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 All right, we need to get into the comic talk. Uh, Dale, what did you read this week? Oh,
3: man, I, c- I don't know. I'm, still, I'm so excited about next week. I don't, I'm just popping out of my pants. Uh, I read... I'm just going to throw it out there because I know everybody has and it's been talked about. Uncanny X-Men number one.
0: Oh, oh yeah. gosh great. Gosh,
3: yes. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, Chris Bocicolo. Uh Uncanny X-Men features the, the Cyclops team of X-Men and uh, what they're up to. Uh, great book. I mean... Cyclops uh, is, uh, f- is picking out and finding mutants that are uh, re-emerging after the Phoenix debacle uh, <laughs> in Avengers vs. X-Men. And he believes that his way of defending mutant freedom is the right way. And he's got a team behind him, Emma Frost, Magneto, uh, what's her name, Magic. And a few others that I can't remember off the top of my head. And, uh, I mean, it's Brian Michael Bendis on a fresh X-Men book. And, uh, I I recommend you guys read this. And Chris Bocciolo, guy can do no wrong. He redesigned the costumes on this book. And, I I don't know, it's epic. I mean, they just handle their business on the Sentinels. Poor Magneto is feeling it. He's an older man now. Spoilers. And, uh... I, and I'm definitely I don't want to spoil the the last page for you, but I mean, intrigue abound. In intrigue dot org.
2: Did I you hope. see the identity of that traitor coming to Cyclops' team? Because I didn't.
3: No, I didn't. I mean, it makes sense, but I didn't. No.
1: I uh, if there so the wait do we we didn't reveal who it is. No, we, did no. we did not reveal it. Um, in you think we some can? some issues of All New X Men, there were some interactions with Cyclops in this character where um, something happened to affect their livelihood, where the other character was really pissed off, and and it was a rare showing of that character's emotion towards Cyclops, mm-hmm. and that was kind of like a subtle hint. But even some of the, some of the I think the previews blew it for me, where there was a new look for this character, this traitor character, and I saw it in a preview. And I made a comment. I was like, "Wow, that's kind of a big change to the character." And then in this number one issue, you see it right away, and you're like, "Oh, that's who it is."
3: Oh, okay. Well, that softens you know? the blow. But what a, I mean, what a great book. And like, a part of me is is rooting for Cyclops in a weird way. Like no. the things, that, I don't know. Like he just his side now. of the story is so effective. That I at least want to pay a lot of a, a lot of attention to his mission, mm. his drive.
0: Uh, I will say this could be a minor spoiler about that issue. I am kind of interested about his whole powers are broken side mission or side tale going on here.
1: Yeah, It'll be interesting yeah. to see
0: how that plays out.
1: How how how, how much better does this make, uh, or how much worse does this make Uncanny X Men Volume Two Number One look? comparatively like this is this blows it out of the water maybe that's maybe it was a like editorial's plan to start that particular seat like uh, a storyline within number one and maybe the writer had no idea but this is such a great first issue
2: agree with you and i think the only thing uncanny x-men volume two number one had that carries into this one do you remember the letter cyclops wrote at the end of number two where he basically said We are the most powerful team on the planet. We're here to help mutants. We're here to help everybody, but don't get it twisted. You push me and I'll push you back. That's why I love Cyclops' character arc right now. It's taking it to that logical conclusion. He's done being Mm -hmm. pushed around.
0: I almost wish that we could count on the fact that Cyclops won't come back to the side of right and good. I kind of like him as a a terrorist, for lack of a, a better term or maybe a more accurate term. I I like him this way, and it, it just sucks that we're gonna see him back as a, you know, rigid cardboard cutout leader. You know, not just so, you know, not too long for now.
1: It sounded like you didn't like this issue, Jonesy. Want you to? I really, I mess actually up.
0: love this issue. I love this issue, uh, and Bendy was born to write the X Men. Between this and All New X Men, uh, he just got it covered.
3: I think uh, my feelings are if they are able to. Keep it as compelling as they are. Obviously, in the uh, since wow. Avengers versus X Men, I mean, Cyclops has the ability. He has the ability to be written in this manner. I think for a, a fair amount of time. Like Magneto has has been what on the side of uh, the X Men for a couple years now, at least. Yeah, it's lame. Five years, um, but I'm yeah, but I'm saying like the staying power. Cyclops has the ability to uh, kind of be this focus. Especially since there is no Magneto character, arch nemesis of the X Men, Uh, he has the ability to be this uh, for for quite a while. I am not sure,
1: Dale. Are you forgetting about Mister Sinister?
3: Hello, (laughs) oh jeez, you are absolutely right. And that's, I mean they they wouldn't have kicked off a a volume two of Uncanny X Men if it weren't. I think he holds the
1: record for most consecutive appearances in Uncanny X Men at like thirty. I think he was in the uh, the reboot from number one to issue thirty was in every single issue.
0: Thank God he has that whole underground town of Mr. Sinister's. I find that so <laughs> compelling.
1: Uh, Batman and Robin, guys. That's what you call g- Gillen garbage. <laughs> Move on. Uh, you know, Batman 17 is over. The jig is up. The Joker storyline has ended. And Batman and Robin is kind of this uh, epilogue storyline where they, they all go home, Alfred, Robin, and Batman, and they go to bed and they snuggle up after a long night's work, and they have these dreams, these dreams of you know their desires of what to do to their villains or what have you. And uh, it's just them, you know, having their fantasies played out in dreams. And it's an amazing issue. This this Tomasi character, this writer, this guy's guys killing it. Under wraps, no one's really talking about Batman and Robin, but there's some fantastic stuff in here. It's got my like all time favorite Damien panel in it. And my second I think my second all time Batman Robin panel is where that nobody character tried to kill Damien, and Batman finally went after him, and there's this gorgeous full page panel of Batman kind of you know he like the move he does where if he like closed his cape really quick and bunched his arm and body in where he's kind of slender and creepy looking. And he's like, "You tried to murder my son, and you expect to live?" And it was like, you know, the the, the caption where there's just like red surrounding it, so he like really means it. I mean, it's such a great run this guy has. And there was some weird—I remember starting the series with like when they first got Titus the dog. There was some kind of weird scenes, but he's doing a bang-up job in this in this title. Mark, are you reading Batman or Romero? and where are you awake?
2: Yes to both. <laughs> Yes to both. What One do you word. think?
1: Do you, confer- do you agree with me of, of how spectacular Batman and Robin is?
2: Yes, I think it's been solid, and for a long time, hell, I'd put it as the best Bat book on the market right now. I get my deep character moments, but I also get them in the midst of in-character place action and character development. I love it. Spot on, I, Slim. Thank you,
1: finally. Pip-Pip,
3: I'm going to admit that I skipped N1 just went ahead and read Batman 17 without reading like <laughs> 16, 15, 14, whatever. You pulled uh, me. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to see what all the hubbub was all about. I, I I, thought it was a great issue but I think some of it was lost on me when uh, you know they all kind of like cancelled on Bruce. Does right. this tackle the does this issue tackle like the uncomfortableness of well that is pretty good. Slim's just uh, sidetracking me.
2: Sorry, continue.
3: With this panel. Um,
2: to answer your question, Dale, it does not.
3: Okay. Okay, that's all That's all I need to know.
2: Uh, Mark, what did you read? That's a brilliant segue, because I was actually going to talk about Batman 17. Oh, good. Since it's the end of Death of the Family, this little opus uh, opens up with Batman tied to... A chair surrounded by the Bat family at a table. Joker has triggered it so that if Bruce moves from this table in any way, all of the Bat family will be lit on fire. We finally see what's under the silver serving dish that the Joker's been showing all the Bat characters. And we also see a Jokerized Alfred come out and taunt Master Bruce. Uh, Batman turns the tables. He frees the family. He goes after the Joker. We get an epilogue, and as Dale mentioned... As a result of everything that happened in the family, the Bat characters, Nightwing, Red Hood, Robin, Batgirl, they're all kind of estranged from Bruce at the moment. I got what the book was doing, and to me it posed the main question of, is death the only real consequence you can give to the end of a big story? In this case, I guess Snyder's purpose was to sever Batman's ties to his extended characters. And it was decent... But I think some of the impact was lost on me because this was a regular occurrence for the Batman story. Every two to three years, he would kick out his team and say, hey, I can't mess with you guys. I'm a loner. This is my mission. I never should have gotten you involved. Six months later, he brings them back. It was a regular theme. So to make that the big impact of this story, it kind of was a little lackluster for me.
0: Yeah, but this, this is the opposite of what you just said. He didn't want to. Push the the family away. He even says when he goes after the Joker, you know, I have faith in them. You know, when when he goes running after him towards the waterfall, it, it's to me. And and I read this issue, and and I did read the previous issues, Dale, and I'm still a little lost as to the ending, but as to what exactly was said by the Joker to the family that caused the the ending that were you know they kind of all didn't want to be around him anymore
2: i'm right there with you i've been thinking that the only thing i can think joker said is that bruce is weaker because of them and they were mad because bruce kept the secret that joker might have been in the Batcave. cave i need to go back and flip yeah, through that, the floppies is that but big enough no i don't because think it
0: he kind of reveals at the end of the book that he goes to confront the joker and the joker doesn't even care yeah, he who, comes in as Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Wayne. Is because he's fixated on Batman.
1: Exactly. The only reason it would have been big enough is if the Joker did go to the cave, then that presumably would mean he knows all their secret identities, and then, mm-hmm. like that would be it. But then he 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 goes to see Joker after that, and Batman is cocky enough to tell pretty much tell him that he's Batman, or maybe he assumed at that point, and then Joker didn't care. So I don't know, it didn't make total sense to me if Joker did care or he was in the cave or why the Bat family is now pseudo-estranged.
0: Yeah, and the the thing is, like the team, if they wanted to call Bruce out, I mean, I think it's established even in New 52, they would just call him out. They have no qualms about calling Bruce on his BS. But it just seems like they're uncomfortable around him now and it's awkward, not that they're mad at him, but they learn something that maybe they don't like him anymore. I don't know.
2: That's the it's most... It's hard
0: to piece together. I mean, hopefully th- th- he's going to address this in the coming issues. Um, I did think, Mark, that the cliffhanger, if you will, on the cliff where Batman tricks the Joker into jumping off was pretty uh, pretty brilliant. You know, m- pretty maestro-esque. Dude, I, I didn't
1: even uh, get that impression that he tried
3: to trick him. I guess it makes sense, kind of,
1: to me. The uh, I was on another podcast, and my mm. co-host had said that... I thought that that was a curveball, that Batman had re- like said that he knew his identity, but then my other host had said that he didn't know what his identity was the entire time, because at the end, when he's on the computer, it says Joker's... It says the Joker and then it says identity unknown. But if you
0: look at the notebook that he's supposedly reading Joker's background from, it's a blank notebook.
1: Well, I thought that notebook was supposedly left like he found that in the cave and this was like the directions to get in the cave or the directions to do I don't know what. And that's what he was holding over Batman's head. He's like, you wrote this for me. This is what I've been using to get at you. And then when he finally looked at it, it was blank the whole time. No, I didn't pick
2: that up when i read it what do you think that notebook was mark i actually don't know i gotta flip through again and try to get some of the details um i mean it's
1: safe to say that snyder's run on batman is immensely confusing and entertaining at the same time
0: agree agree yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean
1: i've never read a a book where i literally have the desire to reread it and reread it because i'm missing so much that i don't think i should be missing this
2: much i mean i've read (laughs) it i should get it Snyder's kind of an intelligent person He's playing the long game with this book, and it's a doozy to follow. And I read the spinoffs. I read Nightwing. I read Red Hood. And all of the attacks Joker made towards the other characters were shows you he knows their identity. But in Batman 17, when Bruce Wayne walks into Arkham Asylum, Joker's cell with his back turned and says, look at me. I know who you are. You left this in my cave. That's where I got the impression that Joker just... Hasn't cared about his identity the entire time. I think he said something to the effect of, "That other you is a mask. This is you." But if, but
1: if, but if that's the case, where Batman thinks that Joker doesn't even care who I am, or he doesn't care about the identities, then what the hell was it all about? If I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it. I just, I just don't get it. I don't know what to, what else to say. We just had a mini book club about a single issue book. <laughs> Um, we should, we should do the storyline as a book club one day so that we can finally reread it and maybe mm -hmm. understand the the minutiae of
2: it. Yeah, we should. And one other thing too, I was a little disappointed about what was under the serving tray. I actually hyped that up for a month thinking, what if it's this? What if it's that? And then it's, oh. Snyder Snyder
1: did an interview on Comics Alliance where he said like, I could have easily, it could have easily been Alfred's head underneath or... The mask being cut off could have been real, but in comics, something like that could have easily been undone. Alfred could have been thrown in the Lazarus pit, or uh, someone with magic powers could have sewn their faces back on. But I guess he tried to go for a more psychological, one, psychological damage than anything else, so I don't know.
2: It worked. I mean, for the first time in a long time, ever since I was a kid, I spent 30 days wondering what it could be and thinking of every scenario that Bruce would respond to. So he got me on that one.
3: I'm going to spend the next 30 days thinking about that poor two headed lion cub. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm going to
1: do. I mean, that guy never had a chance. We're running out of time. We're going way over. We should be in the book club right now. Jonesy Love's bad. Beer. What did you read?
0: I'll, uh, I'll shift gears to a monkey brain title gifted to me by uh, ancillary characters host Seth Breedslove called Unfair. Uh, it's a nine page book. 10 if you count kind of the unfair title page. And um, the story, there isn't a lot of room for a story, so you kind of have to follow the mood of the book, which is a uh, father and son sit at a, uh, a kitchen table ready to celebrate the, uh, the child's first birthday. A mysterious wind up and takes the child out and uh, kind of carries him across town. The dad has to dodge obstacles, and then they meet. ...at the uh, grave of the child's mother. And the ghost of the mother basically said, you know, it's unfair. I never got to hold him. The husband comforts the uh, the soul of the mother. And that's the whole story. Uh, a lot of it is, is told with the art. And uh, the very limited prose is uh, very touching. I'm not sure if the book's going to continue or if it was just a nine-page one-off. Or, you know, is it leading to something else? I'm not sure. But... Uh, it's ninety nine cents, and for the what you get out of it emotionally it's certainly worth it and uh different people will get a different meaning out of it uh depending on where you are in life so i um I really recommend you pick it up monkey Brain comics another hit as it were
1: hmm hit makers. That's what they're
0: called, I think. <laughs> Movers and Shakers, hit makers. I just did a rap, Dale. See? <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, Lighting round two sentences or less of another book we read. And I think Dale underscore A started us off, maybe? Fairy Quest hardcover via
3: way overdue Kickstarter. <laughs> Paul Jenkins and my man Umberto. Draw a beautiful all ages book. Pick this up in floppy if you can from Boom Studios.
1: Wolverine and the X Men. Finally, after all these years, we will be getting the battle. Between Wolverine and his brother, Dog.
2: And I'm excited. (laughs) Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number 23. This is the issue where J. Jonah Jameson confronts Peter about unmasking and being Spider-Man and embarrassing him in his paper. This is one of my top three favorite Spider-Man issues of all time.
0: Powers, the Bureau, issue number one. Uh Uh-oh. Remember when you read Who Killed Retro Girl and you were swept up and lost in the Powers universe? After this issue, you'll just be lost. (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man
1: Craven's Last Hunt. By J.M. DeMatteis and Mike Zek. Uh, highly regaled by Spidey nerds all over the planet as the Spidey book. Um, classic. At least most people will say. Jumsy, what is Craven's Last Hunt?
0: Craven's Last Hunt is a black costume Spider Man story. Uh, late 80s, and it's telling. Uh, Spider Man is reeling from the death of a close friend. He's not altogether there. And while he's kind of figuring things out, Craven, the hunter, tells us a story in his own mind that he is dying. He's old. You know, years of potions and medicines and medicine potions have kept him alive, but he is tired. And the only prey that he has never been able to catch is the spider. So Craven suits up one last time and takes Spider-Man down. Spoilers. (laughs) He buries him alive. He takes Spider-Man's costume and takes his place in New York. He imitates Spider-Man so well that only MJ can really tell it's not him uh spider-man awakens from a death-like state reclaims his identity and uh craven meets an end of his own making or does he craven's last hunt (laughs) i (laughs) try to shorten that i saw myself going way over in you, the first two sentences. You just
1: moved backwards so slowly with a s eating grin on your face, like I nailed it. I nailed that.
3: <laughs> he was. He wasn't confident at first, but then he knew. He knew in the end.
1: He pulled it off. Mark Farrington. Uh, you know, I, I I read this book, uh, and I thought of you. I, you're in a. year a Spidey fan. I think we're all. We could all easily say Spidey. Spidey is our number one superhero.
0: I would agree.
2: What What did you think, Mark? I thought that it was decent, despite oh. the fact that it... <laughs> should I have not liked it? No, no, go ahead, sorry. Despite the fact that it had my least favorite spider villain as the main guy, and let's get this comparison out of the way early, who else read this and saw superior Spider-Man similar character beats?
1: Absolutely. I mean, it was like... you. I mean, you could literally say that Dan slot Stole J J M DiMatteis's crib whoa, whoa, notes whoa, whoa, and whoa. wrote superior Alleged. Spider-Man.
2: Oh, <laughs> there is a panel in the first page or in the first issue that Craven's thinking only by taking his place by proving myself superior to him, by proving myself a better Spider-Man, can my victory have any completeness, any meaning? So, wow, it's almost as if Slot just said, "Okay, I can I can do this story," right. So, that being said, uh, I thought it was good. One of the things that was really hard to read is this was during the era where all of the Spider books were interlocked and telling Mm -hmm. one story. So, there was a lot jumping in here. I just didn't know. I forgot who Ned Leeds was and had to look that up. I forgot when MJ and Peter got married, if this was the symbiote costume, if this was the cloth black suit. So, it was hard to jump back into a specific era and read this book.
0: Yeah, mm. I even forgot there was a cloth black suit for a while. And I thought that it was crazy that it wasn't the symbiote. Mm. And I had, to, I had to do a little wiki-ing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, it was oh, a dark oh, story. Man. It was that panel where Craven takes his own life. Wow. It's one of the most graphic deaths spoilers. I've seen in a comic. Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, I I d- spoilers.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was brutal. I mean, even in today's <laughs> yeah. comics, that would have been amazingly brutal.
3: More brutal was the uh, they
1: showed his ass
0: cheeks. <laughs> yeah, they did. They would never. How about do that. the part where he just gets buck naked in front of Peter? You mean like every <laughs> scene involving Craven in the entire book? <laughs> and he just puts that little loincloth on.
3: Yeah, uh, with like the tiny strap, like spaghetti strap loincloth <laughs> around his hi- around his hips area.
2: <laughs> there was a point when Peter digs himself out of the grave and he looks at the newspaper finds out that it's been two weeks he's been away that he was so angry and flips out that's got me more excited for Superior Spider-Man when Peter inevitably comes back if he was that ticked over this then he's Mm going to be furious over what Doc Ock does I found that odd that this story got me more excited for modern day Spider-Man stuff Wow, Uh, Jonesy or no Dale did you want to hop in there
3: yeah, I just, I mean, it was uh, it was such a different feel of a story because the first half of the book isn't even about Peter Parker. Um, a lot of Craven inner monologue. I, I kind of, by the end, I felt like his inner monologue, he talked so much that I kind of lost focus of what <clears throat> his his game was in the end, like he kept talking about his mother and eventually find out she was, they said she was a psycho. And I I don't know what that had to do with Craven or anything, Mm -hmm. but I'm not, I'm not deep like that. But, um, I mean, the uh, fantastic, the, the panels when, uh, Spider-Man's like blending into the, to the shadow and all you can see is like the white marks on his wrist or just the eyes. I thought that was really cool move art wise, art sensibilities. Um, but uh yeah I I liked it. I mean Peter was ticked like he was I I'm assuming it was only he was just ticked to the point where there was just no funny business with him. I mean he was all business. I do like that he uh he kind of went home and spent some time with MJ in the end. It uh I could see why it's a seminal classic and I would recommend anybody read this. You don't need to know who Ned Leeds was. I, I don't know who Ned Leeds is, but I, I definitely got from context that he meant a lot to Peter. And uh, I don't know. It's just a, a crazy, it's a crazy take on a storyline that this guy would assume Spider-Man's role to like satiate his own demons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Jonesy loves beer.
0: I would like to talk about the true star of this uh, series, and that is the art and coloring. Um, and I'm trying to get to the, the uh, page. I can tell you who did it. Mike Zeck, Penciler, and Bob McLeod, inking. They were the, the standouts in these issues. Every, uh, like Dale said, every panel where Spidey's in it and they tell more with negative space and shadowing, than they do with inks or every time you see a sculpted Spider-Man muscle with just like that light blue to highlight that there's like a, th- a third dimension there and uh, anytime that the panels where Craven is in that pile of spiders when he's kind of in his own nightmare and they tell the outline of the spiders by just blacking out the page uh, this these issues are just a joy to look at um, the artist just has those perfect Spidey poses that we all kind of know like the arched crawl downward or mm-hmm. the uh, the web slinging where both his legs are up you know almost by his shoulders because he's so flexible uh, I mean after I got done reading each issue I used to do what I did when I was a kid which was I didn't even read it I just flipped through the pages just to see the poses and the uh, you know the action or the spider sense shot where you just see that silhouette of Spidey's head um, I, it this, this brought me back to when I was a kid and would read Spider-Man issues like on the floor while my parents watch TV. And I would just get done reading it and flip it the same issue over again and again and again, because I love the art so much. And, uh, I mean, the story is it's, you guys already said it. It's, it's one of the better ones. It makes Craven, you know, kind of this laughable Russian aristocrat. Makes him look competent. Like, makes him look competent, makes him, you know, makes his life worth something, makes him a true, uh, you know, competitor to Peter and somebody that you're actually, okay, this guy could actually do some damage. He's a credible threat during this run. Uh, I just, I loved it, hands down. Loved every page, loved every beat, loved every Peter Parker freak out moment. It was a. it's it's number one on the Spidey stories of my heart.
1: I, I mean, this is probably number the one. best Spider-Man book I've ever read,
2: hands I agree. down. Really, really. Uh,
1: J.M. Mateus. I mean, this guy's like this is the Alan Moore of Spider-Man stories. This this thing blew me away. I could not believe what I was reading. the The inner monologue of several characters. And there's not a lot of spoken word in this book. It's all inner monologue between the between Vermin, Spidey, uh, and Craven, and the metaphors and the symbolism taking place of of Craven, you know, overpowering the spider, and eventually yeah. Peter coming out of the spider, crawling out of the grave, uh, the mouse, um, and the spider, and I mean, unbelievable the planning involved in the writing of this book, the fact that, you know, the, the digging of the grave in the beginning, you know, the guy digging the grave for Peter. And then towards the second half of the story, the guy digging the same grave for Craven. Um, the fact that the, 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 the lines that were written when Spidey died and was buried is the same exact. And they even mentioned symmetry when Craven was buried I mean, this is like Watchmen-esque in terms of beautiful panel layout, beautiful writing. Um, the, the page where Peter comes to MJ and they embrace after he's been buried for two weeks, mm-hmm. um, amazing. And then when he, he just sees like, I have to leave. I have to go. He's been using my name for two weeks. There's a three-panel layout, could have been three or four, where he's on the window stoop. Oh, and it's yeah. thunder and lightning. And they just look at each other. And then yeah. he grabs her hand and brings it up to his face. And then lightning strikes. One of the greatest Spider-Man panels I've ever seen. And I've read hundreds of Spider-Man books. This the is unbelievable.
0: Where she changes her mind with just a look. Like you can tell like just the emotions yeah. that play across her face. In a comic book. Uh,
3: like husband and wife, they have spats and, you know... I, I don't know, like, the, the seriousness and the, I mean, the, the message he conveyed by not saying anything but just, like, grabbing her hand and it was like, I gotta go. She had every right to, like, not... <laughs> be happy about that at and all you are she, well, not she wasn't gambling. happy about that but right exactly but i mean she just knew like she could probably just tell the fear in her gut that like you know if she if she even objected to him going was just amazing how he, he would that was conveyed across the panels and i'd love and i'd
1: th- love to read the writer's notes to see if if he literally wrote the pacing of that scene where you know panel one they look. They're talking. Panel two. They just look at each other. Panel three. Lighting strikes. And then, but I. But Mike Zack is such an amazing artist that I have to imagine that his artistic vision maybe mm. put that in himself. But I, I. I literally cannot believe that a writing of this caliber was put out. Uh, you know, across several Spider-Man lines and in, in the 80s. I don't know why. I just I couldn't get over the fact of how amazing this book is. Unbelievable. I would get. I would. It's like. And to to the superior Spider Man that we're talking about, I remember when they announced or the reveal and I remember getting several seeing several replies to the Twitter account saying like what well, happened first in Kraven's Last Hunt or more like Kraven's Last Hunt and now after reading it I was like I would have been the same guy annoyed with the storyline. I would have been like this is a, I mean they would they should have come out and flat out said this is an homage to Kraven's Last Hunt. I mean, because Craven literally says, "I will be a superior Spider-Man in every way," and he goes and fights crime, and to prove that he's a superior Spider-Man. I mean, it's literally the same exact storyline with minor changes. Um, I mean, minor being Peter is a ghost, astral, Patrick Swayze, and Doc Ock has been mind melted into the body, but. I mean they're very similar to the point where I would have raised an eyebrow had I read this previously. Um, yep. but it's I just cannot and the, the fact at the end where Craven there's so many great Craven scenes where he buries Peter and he's sad and then the next panel he's like uh lolling out <laughs> loud <laughs> yeah, he's like <laughs> and he's maniacal. Crying. I mean the scenes where he's just like running around buck naked doing Spider-Man's Spider-Man poses but like you said Mike ex drawing of spidey doing actual spidey poses just random like a regular artist could just draw him standing up talking to craven but in this book he's literally hanging from a wall or being a spider i mean a lot of that a lot of that attention was paid to the spider and with good cause but i mean i i just want to reread it again and again and again I, I
3: loved how they were able to differentiate when Craven was the Spider-Man. Like, he didn't have spider powers, so they never showed him in a manner that would, would convey that he was doing anything more than, like, jumping up into a window or... Or, or grasping a ledge from, of a building. Yeah, like, he wasn't sticking to any walls or, you know, flipping through the cityscape or anything like that. And they drew Craven a Spider-Man with such a bulk, there was a definite, yeah, was like definite a physical house. difference. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a great how they paid attention to that detail.
0: One of uh one of our viewers on the YouTube uh, said that he loved the what if issue where Kraven actually kills Spider Man. Anybody else read that? I read that.
2: That was a good issue. What it's was been a the, long time? What was
0: the outcome of that one, Mark?
2: It's been so long, Jonesy. I don't remember to be honest with you. I just remember walking away impressed from it. I was kind of bummed. I remember thank reading you,
0: Herb, for the text.
2: The uh,
1: Grim Hunt. Uh, during the you know the big time relaunch or whatever the hell it was called uh, mm-hmm. the brand new day, and I w- I remember vaguely it being Craven's daughter related, but I was kind of bummed reading the wiki of it, or where they said they rose Craven from the dead, they resurrected him. I was kind of bummed that, I mean I was I was impressed that his death lasted that long, but I'm not I don't I've never yeah. read those issues though. There were yeah points. that
3: it was it was like twenty years he was he's been down. I mean that was two thousand seven or later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was that was a good storyline. I didn't, I I probably would have objected objected to that more now that I know that Craven was really dead at the end of this issue. Like I didn't know that Craven committed suicide at the end of this issue. I I uh, and he was he was untouched for so long in comicdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was impressive that they were able to do that.
1: How about the last issue? didn't involve Kraven at all. It was just Spider-Man versus Vermin. And it was kind of the Spider-Man regaining his... I, I'm not sure if he was regaining his superiority at, at any point, though, because he really did lose it. Like, he couldn't beat Craven in the end. And Craven beat Vermin, but Spidey eventually did beat Vermin.
2: I got the point of incorporating Vermin, and I understand his role in the story. But his panels were the parts where it really slowed down for me. It was, I didn't like Vermin's interior monologue. I didn't really care about him. I got that he was a means to an end, so I tolerated it. But during a reread, I think that's the part I would just gloss over.
1: Hmm. How about the scene hmm. where Vermin uh, encounters the two policemen, and he's hovering over top of the woman, and the one panel, he's just looking at her, drooling over her, and then he licks uh-huh. her face and then leaves. Oh, my oh, God. God. Un- yeah. un- unbelievable unbelievable
3: the first couple panels where they like implied that he ate the woman and they just show a rib cage down on the ground like oh my yeah. word that's
1: like marvel marvel knights marvel max stuff yeah. right there <laughs> that was
3: crazy the
1: uh oh
3: the um the huge tension builder though was oh it was so great how it was conveyed was when the spite like the spiders kept crawling down the gravestone and like gathering over top of Peter Parker like how every at the end of every double page uh uh spread and it wasn't double page spread but the end of every other page like they would just show more and more spiders yeah. gathering that was just like I'm getting a uh, goose prickles now just
1: thinking about <laughs> the, the the tension that was being built during mm-hmm. that time what a build up for I mean there. I mean that's this is writing at a level that most writers can't get to I mean the build up for for Spider-Man coming out of the grave and the buildup of him getting buried, you know, mm-hmm. took place over twenty or forty pages. And you know, who, what writer can think that far ahead and literally will pace that out? I can barely mm-hmm. even think of any that are writing comics right now.
2: This story was so dark. I just flipped through it. There were only three pages that involved daylight or sunshine. Other than that, everything else was rain or darkness. Loved it.
3: If uh, if Marvel has any success with this huge Wolverine Adamantium collection coming out like in their version of a of a, an absolute edition Craven's the Last Hunt needs to get up in there. Mm. <laughs> what a great great story and it was I I thought it was cool how for this arc the same writer and art team were on the arc through all the different
1: yeah I, I think yeah. The, the only other I think there was only one change, and it might have been the last issue where Zach did breakdowns, and he didn't do fin- oh, okay. he didn't do finishes. But that was it. Yeah, you're right. It kept the same look and the same vibe throughout the uh, throughout the entire story. It was amazing. Yeah, I think that worked a great deal in their favor. Uh, Craven's last hunt.
0: We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farraguton's gonna read them to you. Uh,
1: letters at papercake.com. You email us. We just might read your letter. You know, if it's not a thesis.
2: <laughs> Funny you should mention that because we got one or two theses, thesai. Thesai? These?
1: I think it, it might just be feast singular it's like yeah. deer
2: Nevertheless we got some long letters so we'll start with the short ones This one from at Chris G 983 saying hey fellas first up great show as always Secondly regarding spawn am I wrong thinking I can see Mr. McFarland sitting around a table smoking his doobie Pitching his ideas for spawn saying I can give you the number one selling book and have absolutely nothing happen in it Who decided that's a great idea <laughs> At least Wildcats had something happen in it, bad as it was. Next book club is Craven's Last Hunt. Can't wait to hear how much Mark hated it. Anyway, keep up <laughs> the great work. Later. That's <laughs> like he can see the future. And be wrong as hell. I enjoyed it.
3: My, but the problem is, my thoughts on all the Image Launch books, every one of them thought they had gold. <laughs> like, Todd McFarlane just thought that what he was making was absolute a master like his masterpiece finally his chance to tell a story so it wasn't he definitely was not hoping to uh cheat, cheat the system by making comic about nothing he w- he just thought he was on to something and uh he, he was because he's he's buying barry bond's baseballs <laughs> because he's got
1: the money to do it how worthless are those baseballs now that everyone just knows <laughs> that he was roiding up for those home yeah runs. really <laughs> the only i think it reminds me of um the last comic I think to ever sell over a million copies was The Darkness, number one, from Top Cow. Does anyone remember that book? Was that any good? Really? Yeah, no. that
0: was uh The Advanced The Darkness. That was that part that of the Witch Cow series? Witchblade story. That was it. They is do, Top Cow they, still
3: working on the residuals of that? Is that why they're still think, around? Think
0: Tank
1: is really good. I'm not sure if anyone has read Think Tank. It's really good comics. Friend. Enemies.
2: Next up is from Ramston saying, and this is his opening line, Dan Slott is a hack job writer that regurgitates old storylines. Oh oh my gosh. word, Alleged. Okay, not entirely, but I did count the times Craven saying he wanted to be the superior Spider-Man and it was four in total. I have to say, after rereading Craven's Last Hunt and reading the current superior Spider-Man stuff, Slott's story is a little more interesting but didn't leave quite the impact on me as Craven's Last Hunt did. The hype really has worked against superior Spider-Man Anyway, thanks for doing Craven's Last Hunt. You guys rock. And by the way, I just read Mouse, and I'm so glad y'all did it on the book club. If I would have, if I would have picked that up at my local comic book store and flipped through it, I would never have tried it on. Looks alone. Have any one of y'all continued on and read Meta Mouse?
0: No, I have not. I
3: haven't yet. No, that's on my to-do list. Uh, we've been getting a lot of, a couple of different people actually just this week or the past two weeks have been uh, tweeting us saying they picked up Mouse because of our book club and that's hmm. that really feels good because I mean more than any other that's like super required reading in, in my eyes and it's awesome that people are buying it
1: yeah and uh, that's just another book that we say we'll we'll go and continue reading and we just never do for whatever reason I don't know what the hell it is we I'm did, reading I mean, Astro City's most notable one and then oh, Dale man. got yelled at from Kurt Busick on the Twitter about it
0: pretty that's much right now he's dead to me. So win win. Kerpesik's my new best friend. He retweeted me. Dale. I am uh, reading anything?
2: volume two of Mouse right now. When they're actually detailing the, uh, the camp. Why can't I actually think of this stupid word? In camp. Thank you. When he's there, and it's kind of graphic. I wow. wasn't ready for it. How about of all people that end up reading on, and it's Mark. I don't think anyone would have yeah, said that. Yeah, really. Already. What's Mark? That? Is it for
0: your other podcast? Is that why you have to read it?
2: Says the man who has two podcasts, a comic book series, and Whoa, one man. on the way.
0: What? What? Two podcasts? Not me. Yeah. One you, is you
2: the would, one is the rumored. Uh,
1: yeah. One that rumored podcast starting. Uh, are what you going to be the, a free comic
2: book uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. deflection at Jonesy loves beer. Next up, we got one from Alan Boone saying, Howdy, fellas. Do any of y'all read webcomics? I've been a webcomic reader for a long time, and the medium interests me nearly as much as quote-unquote proper comics do. To me, there are two big benefits to webcomics. First, they're generally free. I've never paid to read one because there are so many good ones available at no charge. Second, the time cost is small. I read a lot of web comics: Penny Arcade, Brawl and the Family, Butter Save, just to name a few. Nearly all of them update around three weeks' time. In spite of the frequency and volume new webcomic contact content excuse me i rarely spend more than 10 or 15 minutes per day reading them so anybody do webcomics oh
0: uh, yeah i i read penny arcade um i started reading table titans which is the new scott kurtz property that's pretty good garbage and you
1: said it's uh, garbage
3: garbage <laughs> <laughs> no, no it's actually i won't even read table titans because the whole website is just a big hunk of crap I always it see him f- tweeting about it being down is, or something. The font is unreadable on there. They like they went with some old English type font, and it's just doesn't. It doesn't translate well. It's just it's just terrible. Yeah, not, you nothing. really
0: have to want to read Table types because yeah. it doesn't it, make it accessible.
3: It's not intuitive because the. The links, like you know, the header links and the sidebar links, like they might be the same thing because they have the same words, but they might take you different places. It's just really poorly designed.
0: You want to scroll on an iOS device to try to read that? Better off just cutting your fingers right off. <laughs> and that's how <laughs> useful it is. Wow,
3: I don't, uh, I don't read any web comics anymore with any regularity. I kind of used to, and then I started doing it for paperkeg.com. <laughs> dot com. It was called Pixel Keg, yeah. And uh, I don't know, it's just. Uh, yeah, like if you get pointed to it and you fall in love with it, that may be one thing. You throw it in your Google Reader, but I, I'm just not hungry anymore to, you know, to go in and just seek out a new web comic. I know there's a market there, and I know it, they're successful, and I know some of them are really great, but I just, uh, you know, it's not my thing anymore.
1: It's hard. It's hard to remember to go read web comics. That's just my thing. I don't have. Yeah. I mean, I barely remember to check my email. on Yeah, a regular exactly.
0: Basis. Yeah, if it's not. If the link isn't posted on my Twitter feed, chances are I'm not going to go seek it out.
2: Now, the thing about webcomics, I tried to get into it, and it's the same thing as when you're trying to find the latest, greatest indie music group, you got to wade through a lot of crap just to find one gem. And for Mm -hmm. me, I just got turned off by some of the uh, poor quality, no disrespect to anybody who does it, that it was hard for me to continue week after week.
1: I was going to check out Table Titans, and then Dale just took a big flaming... Shoot on it right now, and I, I don't even want to look at it now. Good luck finding
3: the uh, the sub link on the site that actually takes you to the comic. Good luck with
1: that. I'm going to try. <laughs> Jeez, I'm going to try, Damn it. I want to <laughs> discover new things. You know, at the behest, at the, the reverse internet. behest of Dale's recommendations.
3: And that's official Wizards of the Coast product. I mean, I was excited.
1: I don't for even some know D&D. what that is. I don't know what you just said. It could be a big deal. I have no idea.
3: They make a Dungeons and Dragons boner.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I think that's
1: the first time I've ever been called a boner in my entire <laughs> life. It's amazing. And it was worth it. I'm glad I was here to see it. It was worth the 29-year wait.
3: For the record, I didn't call you a boner. I just said boner because I said Dungeons and Dragons before. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, well. I would never call
1: Still you a magic boner. moment. We're going to save this discussion for the flap. You know, we'll keep this gold to ourselves, Dale.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: Of course you yeah. will. Theflap.com. Check it out. The Flap Their and iTunes.
1: Show. Check
2: it out, please. Thanks. You want to be on The I'm Flap, not. don't you?
0: What do you think we're going to do after you
2: leave? Hey. Mark, did we get any other letters? We did. We got a letter from Dave Finn and Dave. I'm telling you right now, I appreciate the love, man. But I'm trimming this letter down a little bit. <laughs> He's saying, "Hi guys. First, I just want to say y'all do a wonderful job. You sh- your show greatly enriches my comic reading experience. Now turning to Craven the Hunter, it's a dense book that takes itself very seriously, and it's a great read. I felt like it. I'd finished a novel compared to the Spidey I've read. It's got a real Model tone. The quote-unquote soap opera stuff is really pared back. I really enjoyed the very physical, brutal nature of Craven in the Spidey outfit. That was, he looked so dynamic and B.A. I could have done with more that it was pretty easy to see parallels to superior Spidey of today. Personally, a couple times I could have done with some laughs. Even Peter seemed very depressed about everything. I mean, honestly, apart from him losing his voice, he got out pretty lightly. I appreciated the art. Is I do think that at times the narration is slightly one note I noticed a scene where MJ is saying goodbye to Spidey And I just thought it was a tender series of images In a pretty bleak book P.S. At Dale underscore A I love the tweets man You are the Twitter king And Jonesy I was about to hit the tennis court the other day And I heard you say Buffet style To describe your vision of the show And it made me laugh (laughs) Mark sorry This is so long Peace out guys Dave Finn
3: Thanks, Dave. That's a Red Lantern something something on the Twitter. Twenty fifty one.
2: Oh, there you go. That guy's got
1: good taste. Buffet style. What was that a reference to, Gen Z? I
0: have no clue. <laughs> I have no. Uh, I say a lot of S. And to try to categorize it is impossible.
1: Hmm. How about how about how about fan liking Dale's tweets? I think Dale wow, could I'm be the saying. one of the best Twitter's out there. He's, he's <laughs> head and shoulders better than us. Especially Mark, no. since he deleted his account. <laughs> yeah.
2: I know, and miraculously, I'm still breathing.
0: I don't get it. Hey, we didn't say How you were going to die. Facebook deletion going?
2: Yeah, yeah, remember that? Say what? You're yeah, familiar? right. Remember when you said on the show you're going to delete your Facebook? Actually, somebody made a great point. You know what? It's a comic show. I didn't <laughs> no. delete my Facebook. It's not. You might fa- die if you delete that. I think <laughs> that was the <laughs> that point they could- made. I've got two big announcements in life to make, and then...
1: Facebook will help me with those. Oh, so you're going to announce your engagement, and then you're going to announce when your kid is popping out of your girlfriend's. There you go. <laughs> you heard here first. Coincidentally, my lawyer's also. This I, don't, I think I might have to edit out. I don't know if that'll make the final show.
2: She'll never yeah, hear I it. Know. You're fine.
0: Explicit tag.
2: <laughs> Last letter we got is from at Chris What's the deal, Pickle? <laughs> I I've never bought into the hype keggers. I've never been that guy who was like MF and Punisher effing rocks, but that's all about the change. Ladies, I just read the first five issues of Garth Ennis's and Steve Dillon's The Punisher volume four, more commonly referred to as welcome back, Frank. And I'm telling you guys that you've got to consider this for a book club. I've never been about gore and blood for the sake of pulling in an audience, but the detailed and methodical nature of this version of the Punisher is genius. Ennis's plot Plotting is so well thought out, and even though I'm not a Dylan fan, his artwork's great for the story. This book makes me understand why that garbage Tom Jane movie was made back in 04, and I hope you give it a try. Additionally, I really appreciate the time you guys put in the show. You make my nether regions warm.
0: Okay. That's a lot of love. Was that the last letter Mark? That was the last Unlock your iPad.
1: Welcome Back, Frank is uh, one of the best Punisher books out there. I have, the, I, have the gonna, pa- I have the paper trade and the singles. Have we like never a pr- done
0: a Punisher book for a book club? We have not. We have to remedy that.
1: Go ahead. <laughs> so, I'm gonna
3: I was going to so, say? Let's put on the Google Doc.
1: The, the moment has passed. The yeah. uh, Welcome back, Frank. Yeah, pretty much the Punisher movie uh, follows a lot of the things that Garth Ennis introduced. Like Punisher hanging out in a crappy apartment building. Him having a cast of Sideshow Clown-esque characters. Um, but the movie was not good. Very sad. The trailer was amazing for that movie, if everyone remembers, because it started out with that Johnny Cash-esque song. Yeah, that cowboy. <laughs> the cowboy character. And, oh, man, that movie could have been so great. Do you remember when they they the first image of Thomas Jane as the Punisher debuted on... Uh, well, it wasn't... I remember first seeing it in Wizard Magazine, but he also had that great Wizard cover where it was just a photo shoot of him wearing the Punisher flak jacket and holding this big-ass Obama's America M16 on the cover, and it was just, this is the greatest movie that, is, that will ever be made, and it was not good, not good. What a show. This is a, this
3: is a good show, I think, pretty pretty much.
1: Gen Z, where would you place this show uh, compared to the future paper Knights nights happening next week
0: <laughs> well there's no comparison Papercake Knights nights fills up a bucket of wind column and then <laughs> sticks a mop in it this is just the right. desolate papercake future where black cloth spidey just looks at the shattered remains of the wind column and maybe he gets buried alive i don't it's know just, and then bursts out in way.
1: Even... black kiss 2 is next week's book club Make sure you re- make sure you read this when your wife is asleep. Just just right. throwing that out there right now. Uh, drink when there is a dong or female <laughs> genitals present, and you will be in Betty Ford the next day. Uh, paper Keg Nights next week. We'll see everybody then.
0: We're going to forgo the fireside for a second there.
1: Uh, Well, it's going to be super short. We're at an hour and 15 minutes right now. Oh, my word! Well, we had Uh, Nobody's going to listen to this. No, I I mean, just a quick recap. We have Free Comic Book Day happening May 4th. Paper Keg Nights happening next week. I can't wait. I'm so excited about this.
3: In regards to Paper Keg Nights, Jonesy was quoted as saying he's going. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Draw your own conclusions
1: on that. <laughs> See if I can get the intro started up here again. Black uh, Kiss Volume 2, right? Yeah, Volume 2. It's the only one uh, the comics Comixology website has available.
3: I can't believe they even have it available. I guess if it's web only, that's the only way they can. It's
1: web only for a reason, my friend. I'll, I'll say that much. <laughs> My mm. like pants well, around, around my ankles already. If I can just walk you through this trailer. All right. First is David Hasselhoff storming the beach in slow-mo. And now the sun is setting. And now David Hasselhoff wearing a white blazer and blue T-shirt.
0: Miami uh, Vice style.
1: There's that woman that sounds like a man. I can't remember what that actress's name is.
0: Yasmine Bleeth?
1: No. No. Come off it.
3: And it's Angie Harmon Angie Harmon What is home? up with her voice, wow. huh? Yeah, she's got a rough sounding voice
1: <laughs> uh, David Hassoff just dove into the sand In a windbreaker outfit Evading a hand glider A man in the hand glider
2: On the beach <laughs> This sounds terrible <laughs> This he, theme song Did he
0: sing the, uh, the theme
1: song? Oh, absolutely Something's gotta give, Jonesy
2: Something's gotta break <laughs> This is theme he, uh, song could be worse than Walker, Texas Ranger. I'm
1: telling you, I'm if, when by you. Chuck Norris. When you stop this podcast, I pray that you load up Baywatch Night's intro on YouTube
3: can, and just bask it. Can I watch
0: it now you guys just get my live reaction?
1: Uh, no, no. We, right. We're running out of time, Jonesy.
3: At, I just know at one point he is riding on the back of his friend's motorcycle like an ambiguously gay duo, <laughs> Ace and Gary. <laughs>
1: The uh, the the token black character mark is the famous Greg Allen Williams.
2: You remember that guy? What would I know him from?
1: Um, Baywatch days, maybe I think. <laughs> yeah, he was like the I think he was the
2: bike cop in regular Baywatch. Uh, the guy who when they were showing all of the male lifeguards running around with their shirts off, he was on the moped with his shirt on. He yeah, he's wearing like the teal blue or whatever that oh, okay, blue color yep. is.
3: Somebody's got to keep it classy over there on Baywatch, Baywatch days.
2: When everyone else is <laughs> hooking up with each other, he's just the guy smiling in the background, chilling.
1: I remember reading the history of the show, and it, it had a weird history where I think season, it didn't last, I think it was like season two, they were running out of, they were losing ratings, so they changed this show so drastically that it changed into like an X-Files show. Where they had paranormal events get happening, get out of here! Stop and, it right now! Like aliens hitting the beach, and David Hassoff had to investigate it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, look up the wiki on Watch nights; it's amazing. Classic.